Welcome to this week's Henchman of Comics. I'm Alex Eschback. And I'm going to open a beer on live television or podcast or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think what? of an intro today because you know what? It didn't It didn't seem right. Well, it's a rarity for us. I think this is the first for us. We're actually talking about two things, which we've done before, but we're talking about two TV shows, which I think is the first for us in a single episode. Yes, it is. It's, it's a very big first for us. But we've got a lot of news to get to today, too. Sure. Which I need to, I think, pull up my news on here. Uh, but while I do, um, I want to get you guys all to donate to a charity. The charity is, uh, so my little brother, uh, I found out, has COVID today. So that's super cool, right? That's so actually charity, not a joke. He's actually being no, serious about that one. That is actually 100% serious. But the joke is donate to me uh, just so I can feel better about it. It's a good old He's, grift. You're a terrible con man, but at grift. least you're honest about it. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's all good. He's a young kid. Everything should be fine. We're not really worried about it. It'll be Um, a very different podcast. Otherwise. Yeah. Otherwise it would be very, very different. If we're coming to you very somberly in the next few weeks, you know why, uh, I'm looking for my notes on news. There we go. All right. Umbrella Academy season two has a release date, baby. And it's funny because we we recorded last, we were talking about that before we recorded about how we had no idea. Like there was like no news of when it was going to come out. Yes. Oh, hey, let me address that last bit thing that I just talked about real quick. Uh, I'm fine. Uh, <laughs> I have not seen my little brother in like three months, so I'm safe. Don't worry about me. Yeah, that's, the way, that's the way to stay safe. Never see The him. important golden brother is fine, guys. Don't worry. Oh, but Umbr- Umbrella about. Academy. Umbrella Academy. Are you pumped? Yeah. Uh, like, on a scale of like 10, I'm at like a five. <laughs> Why are you so unenthused? Didn't you really like the first season? Uh, because Gerard Way is involved. Mm-hmm. Why the hate? Why the hate? Because I talked about this. He is one of my many, many arch enemies. That's only one side of it. And they have no idea I exist. But I have to keep up these feuds from my grade school days. Uh, I never let the never let the hate subside. If, if you, you have been hating him since you were in grade school... You're kind of young then at that point. I don't feel like this feud goes back that long for you. You're like, what, 35? Uh, I mean, to be fair, the feud is only about two months old. Oh, uh, okay. It's a fresh feud. Yeah. And that's because he stole all his album ideas from me. No shit. Yeah. And he never once watched any of my makeup tutorials. <laughs> so what are your makeup tutorials on? Like, are you in drag? Are you just you know, going out on the town? Like, what's your what's your makeup vibe? No, I, like, I go to, like, a Walgreens or a CVS, and then I read the labels of what the makeups are. Oh, and you're just letting people know how to go and do that? No, 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 not that. I'm just reading them, and then, and then, and then I just click save and upload. Oh, so you're a troll, because I thought that you were actually... No, 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 no. Sort of I, no, I'm not a troll. I do this with... All of my heart. I've never been more honest about anything in my life. <laughs> these mega tutorials. Uh, see, I just got confused by the word tutorial because I didn't hear anything tutorial about that. Yeah, and you that's the how. most I've ever said the word tutorial in a five-minute interval. So, how excited are you on a scale of one to ten? I'm pumped. I would say about an eight. I'm very excited. I'll be. I'm uh, a little bit more excited because I've been watching Misfits and classes and Misfits for the early seasons. Uh, so, like, it reminded me of like how much I enjoyed his character. Although, okay. uh, I always want to see number five again. Yeah, don't we all? Join the fucking club, yeah. man. So, although, and hopefully, so they revenge that monkey murdering emo kid. <laughs> uh, let's talk about some speculation, Alex. Okay. Um, Ruby Rose is leaving Batwoman. Why? Yeah. Uh, because... She realized wants that, to know. I mean, I don't know, but like from what I've read is that like she didn't exactly enjoy being the lead on a TV series, which is a lot of work because you shoot six or seven days a week. Your days can be 14 hour days. Like they're long. 
because you always have to be there. And apparently her negative attitude rubs off like on the crew because like when your star doesn't want to be there, then the crew doesn't want to be there. And so, you know, maybe she wanted to free up her schedule. So if they ever make the Meg 2, she'll be available. Who knows? I'm really hoping that they will recast her with Oprah. I would like that guy. I was hoping it'd be Jim Rash. <laughs> uh, just as the Dean from Community? No, I, I, as Batwoman. Okay. Yeah, as Kate Kane. I would just like to see that character in the Batman universe. <laughs> just I will, the Dean. <laughs> uh, I will say, uh, I'm pretty sure actually he's in there. I think he plays the Riddler in Harley Quinn, actually. That would that makes sense. Uh, uh, if you haven't watched Community on Netflix, go watch Community on Netflix. But as someone that watches Batwoman and just watched the season one finale this week, I'm actually happy about this news. Uh, <laughs> I thought Explain. she was fine, but she was definitely not the strongest actor on the show, especially compared to the season's villain, Alice. Uh, so I just hope they bring in a stronger actor. And I'm really curious to see how they're going to transition going from Batwoman to Batwoman within a season with nothing hinted or set up about it at, at the season finale. Okay. I, I just imagine that they'll be like, oh, you look different. Did she get beat up in the in the final battle? <laughs> or or that thing like, did you get a new haircut? <laughs> so did she get beat up in the final battle pretty good, I'm assuming? No, nothing like that. Because like this, th- this news came after they, they, they already shot everything. Uh, well, I was going to say, like, they could make some kind of a joke, like, oh, yeah, you know, you're, uh, you look different after, you know, you had to get that reconstructive surgery because you got beat up so bad. Sure. Yeah. Oh, well. Be that simple. Any more news? Oh, dude, there's lots of news, bro. The Snyder Cut is happening, homie. I am very excited about that. I am medium excited for this. Um, I know your favorite man ever is returning to your screen in a brand new course, way uh i have all the faith in Zack snyder i know a lot of people hate 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 on snyder but he did the fucking watchman movie which is yeah astounding so i've got a lot of faith uh but after watching justice league and knowing fully what that movie is and was i don't know we'll see uh but the other one bit of news from that is uh dark side has been confirmed yeah and Confirmed I think, dark side. And they're getting $30 million for Snyder to finish as well, too, which is crazy to me. Not enough. There have been rumors that it might be released like one for a movie or split up into like six like uh, event series episodes. What would you prefer? Man, make it a make it like a mini series. Make it a full out. If you're dropping another 40 million on this, 30, 40 million on this, which is the rumor, I think 30's been confirmed, but I've I've heard that they might go up to 40. Do it fucking big. Do it yeah. real big. Yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd rather watch it that way too. Uh, uh, absolutely. Then when you have that weird Batmo spider bill climbing up the weird wall in that one fight scene, uh, it makes a whole fucking lot more sense because yeah. you've got time to explore all of Batman's weird vehicles. Now, uh, this is not coming out until 2021. It's going to be HBO Max exclusive. Uh, as far yeah. as I know as well. Uh, something that we will talk about on this podcast. I don't care if you don't want to. I'll strong arm you. like, no, we're doing the Snyder Cut. Oh, no. I, I will be very excited when the time comes. Right now, it's so far in the future that, like, whatever. Yeah. But right now, I'm – or when the time comes, I'll be pumped. I'll be very pumped. And it came out – the news came out, like, nowhere, too. Like, there were no rumors about, like, HBO, like, wanting to do this. Just the news just dropped one day that it was happening. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there was that – the grassroots effort, man. Like, sure. there were – billboards uh i posted it on my twitter account and you know i think hbo and warner brothers yeah, got that did it got the hit uh i know too that david ayer director of suicide squad said he would like to do an ayer cut of suicide squad which i would be interested in watching as well uh, i could not care less unless uh i mean hey i'm, I'm done to do a, an episode on that because we never we didn't exist yeah when that movie came out so, uh, and I know Josh Trank, director of Fantastic Four, said he has no interest in doing a Trank cut of Fantastic Four. <laughs> Did he really? Yeah, which that That's... would actually be interesting to me because, like, the rumors for like that production 
was that I started with Trank being the director, and then he got fired. Then someone else took over, and then they got fired, and then and then someone else took over after that. So it's like three different visions all in one that on that terrible sloppy mess of a film. Is that on the one with? Um, well, I can't think of any Kate Mara. Yes. Okay. Yeah. I don't know why she's the Miles whatever. Yeah. yeah. Teller. It's got Miles Teller, Jamie Bell, uh, Toby Kebbell, and Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan, yes, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I could not think of his name for the fucking life of me. Uh, I think this was from literally today, uh, but Henry Cavill is back as Superman. Yeah, I, I know there were rumors that, and he never wanted to like leave the role, but it was just DC executives, I think, panicking, be like, "We got to reboot everything." I, I always liked him as Superman. I mean, I didn't like the films he was in, but I liked him as Superman. I, like, I don't think even if you never liked the films, I don't think you, can, you could ever say that he was the problem with the films. Yeah, I, not at all. His yeah. acting was fine. Um, it was more the stories. And why does Kevin Costner say, don't save me, and then run into <laughs> a goddamn tornado? That's just the worst. That's, that's the biggest problem yeah. I have with that, among with like those weird spacesuits yeah, that like, like, the General Zod crew wears. Like, I like Zack Snyder a lot. But like that is like the one thing to where like to me like that that, that was just bad uh, all the way through. So stupid, so fucking dumb. Uh, but I saved the biggest news for last, Alex. All right, I really did. Uh, Jackpot Spider Man movie announced. Jackpot Spider Man movie announced. Yeah, Sony announced a movie called Jackpot. Uh, it's in the Spider Man universe. Apparently, Jackpot is some. Um, a uh, female superhero in the MCU. Yeah. Oh, baby. I've never, Get, I've never heard. Like, buckle the fuck up because jackpot is coming to your screens. It's like, what the audience has been clamoring for. I don't know. Cause like, I've never, I'm fairly well versed Marvel character in the Marvel universe. And there's definitely <laughs> characters I don't know of, but I've never heard of jackpot. And like, somehow I feel like this is just a, Late, poorly explained April Fool's uh, pr- prank from you? No, no, no. I'm I'm dead serious. You can look it up. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I stole a joke from our sister podcast. How did this get made about Bloodshot? Because Vin Diesel once upon a time said uh, everybody has been clamoring for a Bloodshot movie, which literally nobody on the internet had been. But everybody's been clamoring yeah. for a jackpot film. Yeah, I'm, be, I'm not lying, am I? It's going to be real. written by Mark Guggenheim, who is the uh, much hated showrunner of the most of the Arrow seasons. So, oh, good. Yeah, I'm sure that'll go over well. Wait, he's he's the one from the unpopular seasons of Arrow. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, that sounds right. I believe yeah, that. That's good. Uh, cool. Is that all the news? Fit to print. Uh, yeah, uh, don't steal lines from other podcasts, Alex. That's just rude. Okay, uh, and now we're going to jump into what we're talking about. Like I mentioned earlier, we're going to talk about two TV series. The first one is Snowpiercer uh, on TNT in the U.S. and on Netflix, I think, almost everywhere else uh, in the world. Uh, it's based off a French graphic novel. Uh, there was a film in 2013 directed by uh, Bong Joon-ha, the same guy that did Parasite. Probably what we'll know from this year. Uh, the film and TV series take place like in the same place. They're both on a train, hurtling through the world in a dystopian world, uh, but the storylines are very different. The movie stars Chris Evans, Jamie Bell, and Tilda Swinton. Uh, did you ever see the film? I did. I watched it in preparation for this. And let me tell you if you haven't seen Snowpiercer the film, go watch it on Netflix for free. It's incredible. Yeah, I'm not going to talk about it much because I don't want to get spoilers for that film because I'm not talking about that today, but I do think it is a great film. It's my favorite film by him, and it, it's a really good watch. Yeah, it's solid. It is definitely Bong Joon-ho's uh, second uh, best film next to Parasite. Right, it is his first best film next to Parasite. <laughs> All right, so um, what about yeah, this, this new one? Who stars in this new movie? Or stars Debbie Diggs, uh, best known for starring in Hamilton. Um, Never heard of it. And Jennifer Connelly, best known for trying to steal a baby from David Bowie's Labyrinth. Um, Yeah, what's up with that? Why did she do that? She's a bad babysitter. 
She's a horrible yeah. babysitter. Yeah. Uh, I, I love talking about Labyrinth, but sadly, there's no Labyrinth comic book adaption coming soon. Um, but That's incorrect. There, there are Labyrinth comics. When the Labyrinth sequel, which was announced, comes out, we could technically cover it. There are Labyrinth comics. Okay. That's all we're doing from now on. Uh, but anyway, uh, this, the train is much the same. This train is hurtling through around the Earth in the same path it takes uh, since its existence. The, it's a world where everything is basically frozen over uh, due to climate change or weapons. I can't remember what they said, but it, something combated it, and they tried to combat like the climate change, and that, that made stuff worse. Um, and so I'm going to cover our bases and say it's God. Okay, probably. God did it. Just like Preacher. Uh, <laughs> and then, uh, then a bunch of stowaways on the train that weren't invited. And there are the lower class citizens living at the tail of the train. They're giving yep. minimal supplies, uh, and minimal food to live. And they live the drags. And then the front of the train, you have your upper class of citizens who were invited to live on there. Uh, and yeah, that's basically the plot. But while the movie is more about like class and like overcoming uh, the system that's been put upon them, uh, which this movie still has that. It's a little different genre. This is more of a murder mystery, I would say. Yeah, it's very akin to Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting. That's a good comparison. And like, I, I feel like people who went into the series expecting it to be the exact same thing in the movie might be disappointed. That's not what I was expecting going on. I'm able to enjoy it so far for the first few episodes. I mean, I didn't expect it to be the same. I thought it was going to be almost in its own universe. It's it's Mr. Wilfred's train yeah. in both the movie and the TV show. The train is circling a post-apocalyptic uh, icy wasteland, and that's kind of where it ends. Yeah, A uh, lot of the train compartments are the same. The tailies uh, in the first class, that's the same. But other than that, lots and lots of differences here. Debbie Diggs is a tailie who gets dragged out because he used to be a detective. And there's a murder on the train, and it's the they tell him the first ever murder on the train, which isn't necessarily the truth, because there was one earlier that they hid and cover up, and now this is a copycat that they believe. Yeah, so, this person's a genital mutilator, so they're a badass serial killer. Yeah, it's like I I like this whole like murder mystery storyline. Like I want to know who did it. The show yeah. we introduced to a decent amount of characters, so if it's a who done it, you would assume it's going to be someone that we meet or have met already oh, or they'll have connections to that person. And like the why of it all is really interesting for me too, because yep. it's not going to be a tailie because tailies don't have access to that part of the ship at all. Yeah. It's a very interesting story. Um, I'm happy to see this universe uh, revisited and I know why they went back here because it's such a cool, unique concept and idea. Yeah, for so, a for a dystopian show, it's very different than, than what we're used to. Oh, without a doubt, yeah. Um, Nothing quite like this. So what are some of the oh, moments that you... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, uh, do you want to tell everybody what the common punishment on the train is? Because this is one of the favorite parts of the movie uh, and one of the parts that really sticks out. And you saw it even in the promos, too. But the punishment on the train... I can't remember. I really can't. You can't remember the punishment no, on the train for the tailies? I'm thinking about the poor cows. Uh, so what the punishment is, and I can't believe Alex can't remember this because it's extremely visceral, but when a tailie acts up in an extremely naughty way, uh, as in kills a bunch of guards or whatever, they have to be punished. So in the movie and in the television show, what they do is they put this metal cuff on their arm and stick their arm out into the oh, negative yeah, 132 yeah, yeah. degree yeah. weather as yeah. the train's whipping around at hundreds of miles an hour. Their arm inevitably freezes solid to the core, and then they bash their arm yeah. with a sledgehammer to break it. Yeah, pretty brutal. Just a it's touch. Fucking yeah. insane. Yeah. Yeah, and I like that too because it, I like that like it plays into their environment, obviously. Like, the, the, yeah, it's a punishment unique to the world that they exist in. Yep. Uh, what are some of the things that you've liked about the show so far? Uh, I really liked the part where they stuck the person's arm outside the train and it froze. <laughs> uh, 
I like that whenever Andre, uh, the lead the big character, like is around food or gets like a new food, like he takes that moment to like treasure it and like sense it and like soak it all in before he yeah, takes that, his first bite or his first sip. When they first pull him out of the back, uh, he's a homicide detective, so that's why he was chosen. Uh, when they first pull him out of the back to help solve this murder mystery, they give him a bowl of tomato soup and a grilled cheese sandwich. And it was one of the most excited I've ever been to see what somebody does with a grilled cheese sandwich yeah. and a bowl of tomato soup. Because he's just been yanked out of a possible revolution that he was trying to start. And now he's given food for the first time in years, like real, real food. And I'm curious if he's going to stick with his scruples and throw the soup aside or if he's going to devour it or what the fuck's going to happen. And he very slowly and carefully, methodically grabs his grilled cheese sandwich, dips it ever so slowly into the tomato soup, and then just savors that delicious bite. And everybody knows and can taste that combination of flavors. Yeah, did it make you want a grilled cheese sandwich and tomato soup like right then? Really bad. Yeah, like, and that to me shows like it is an effective moment. If it makes like the viewer like be like, I need that right now. Like it stirs something inside you that like be like, I I want to experience that same feeling that he's experiencing at this moment. Yeah, the next time I venture out of my home bunker into the world, you better bet your ass I'm going to be getting supplies for grilled cheese and tomato soup. And episode two, we see that moment again. Whenever he gets a glass of whiskey, as well is poured for him. Yeah, he takes it and like he he smells it like you would expect someone being poured a hundred year old glass of whiskey. Uh, uh, taste it like even though it's just a bottle they grabbed off the bar. Yeah, yeah, it could have been like some shitty Jim Beam or something, yeah. but this dude is sniffing it like he's been doing it for years and is about to write a column about it. Uh Aside from that, I thought Jennifer Conley did a really good job. Uh, she oversee. She's basically, she's Mr. Wolford basically, but she oversees everything on the train. She's on the train. Uh, and here's I was, what I love. Okay, Jennifer Connelly can act her fucking dick off. Jennifer Connelly's incredible in this. Yeah. And like, oh, how did I forget that Jennifer Connelly's so goddamn good? Because she doesn't do a lot of mainstream stuff, so you just kind of like, yeah, yeah, you forget all about her. Uh, and we assume just because we've been conditioned through storytelling, through consuming media for years and years and years, that like she is the villain, and probably from like watching so so of the film, like okay, she's the villain, but she hasn't done anything villainous like so far in the show. Yeah, not yet, but I feel like that twist is coming. Yeah, like you said, I'm conditioned and. At the end of episode two, uh, our homicide detective makes, by the way, he makes incredible leaps and bounds that no homicide detective, I feel like, would be able to leap and bound with. But just because it's a TV show, he's the most apt homicide detective that there ever was. And And, it helps that everyone else seems so inept around him, too, uh, uh, at that task. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's just bumbling and jerking off and has no idea what's actually happening, but he's able to suss out everything. But he knows that the person who is the murderer knows something, and he wants to know what it is. And it's because what makes the case more interesting is that he's limited the access, like the information he can have, because they don't want this Taylor to know all the ins and outs of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's another B story is like, with solving the case, he has a chance to stay and not be a tailie anymore. Will he do that? We've met some people who have gone up from the ranks of tailies, or will he actually continue his revolution and use all of his knowledge that he's gained about the train to help overthrow the train and help uh, everyone else in the tail? So that's a nice B story as well as going on. Yeah, it's, it's very deep. Uh, and it's very Bong Joon-ho. It's, it's a classist story that with everything going on in the news right now, I feel like we can all really relate to. So it's very timely in a a strange way. I agree. Uh, The show is just 10 episodes in the first season. I think it's a perfect episode length for season one. Uh, It's already been renewed for season two as well. Has it really? Yeah. God damn. So I don't have to worry about any cancellation, any cliffhanger or anything like that too. 
uh, which, which is nice. no weird rewrites and reshoots. Yeah, nothing like that. Uh, and the showrunner of the show uh, is Graham Manson, uh, who was the co-creator of Orphan Black, which is a very is he related to Charles? I hope so. Uh, <laughs> but Orphan Black was a very creative uh, original series that didn't always take the turns you would expect. It was a lot of fun throughout it. So I'm hoping that this maintains the same level of quality that Orphan Black maintained through the seasons. Yeah, he gets that creativity from his Papa Charles. Yeah, probably. Or his brother. You don't know. <laughs> or his uncle. Could be a lot of things. <laughs> you anything else uh, you want to say I... about Snowpiercer? I'll watch it. It was, it was highly enjoyable. And after watching the film, I wasn't surprised. It didn't totally live up to my expectations uh, in some aspects, but in other ones, it far exceeded them. Uh, but I think we should save our ranking and rank this and Stargirl simultaneously. I agree. Uh, so I'll leave this into Stargirl. Uh, it is the next DC Universe show. It is also currently co-airing on CW. So I guess the pandemic is good for this as well, because there's no new content. This gives them content to air. Uh, Stargirl, the character, is based off uh, it was created by Jeff Johns uh, based off his sister who died in a plane crash. So the character is very personal to Jeff Johns. Uh, wow, I had no idea. Yeah. And uh, you can tell because Jeff Johns not only wrote uh, the pilot episode in episode two, he's written every episode of the series, which you don't get in television anymore. Like television is very, ever, very rarely ever written by a single person. There are exceptions, like Noah Hawley tends to write his shows, uh, and there's other people like that, like showrunners that have a singular vision. But So this is something that Jeff Johns obviously still, still feels very personally attached to this character. Do you know who directed this first episode? Uh, Glenn Winter uh, did the pilot, uh, who is a long time basically considered like the pilot whisperer. Uh, he has been around uh, for... Uh, a ton of shows trying to get their pilots off the ground. And he did a bunch of Game of Thrones episodes as well. Uh, I'm trying to think as well. Uh, he's also done most of the CW TV shows. Most of them have their pilots, or at least the CW superhero shows, have their pilots directed by Glenn Winter because like, he like, has that touch to like, give shows like their starting vision and then, and then get picked up. Wow, oh, I think that's going to wrap it up for Stargirl. <laughs> uh, you don't have anything else to say, right? Uh, the opening for Stargirl was a lot of Oh, fun. yeah, the opening. Yeah, we should start there. Uh, basically, we see Luke Wilson uh, pull up to this mansion where there's a giant superhero fight going on, and it's the JSA uh, battling classic JSA villains. JSA 2 is heroes like Starman, Hourman, uh, Hawkman, Hawkman uh, Dr. Fate. Yes, uh, Dr. Fate. Uh, Jay Garrick, the original Flash. Alan Scott, the original Green Lantern. Uh, Wildcat as well. Uh, and we see them basically all being killed. So, yeah, yeah, by uh, by longtime DC villains like Brainwave and Icicle, which were their original foes in the comics. Um, and it, it was the I'll say the special effects for this are on par with the other DC Universe shows, but they're way better than anything on a CW show. Yeah, I can tell right away that this was definitely not a typical CW uh, DC product. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot more heart in it. Uh, and let's just skip right ahead to uh, Starman's death. Yeah. Why don't we? Starman played by Joel McHale. Uh, hilarious uh, community star Joel McHale. And he's yeah, known he, for nothing else. You and I are both big fans of Joel McHale. Uh, yes. Obviously. Uh, so like, even though like I was sad to see his character die, like immediately, yes, his death, his death moment was great <laughs> when he's like, you need to take the, he hands Luke Wilson's death because Luke Wilson was his sidekick, uh, stripesy, uh, <laughs> and it's like, you need to protect the staff, uh, and make sure he moves on to the next person. And he's like, not you. Uh, but really it's not you. And he <laughs> reiterates like a dying <laughs> moment to reiterate Luke Wilson that he is not worthy of this. His long time, his friend and sidekick for at least two decades. Yeah, arguably his best friend, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, it would be like Batman telling any of the Robins that you can never be Batman as he's dying. 
it was hysterical right out of the gate. Uh, I didn't so much care for the fight scene. Again, I'm when I'm watching these superhero products, I'm not a CW or even DCU person that's watched emphatically. So I'm used to the big box office shit. So this stuff all looks so cheap to me. So the fight scene wasn't much different to me, but I was not expecting this level of humor. Uh, my main criticism of the pilot in, in that fight scene, Junior Roll, is that it's just too dark. I felt like, like I couldn't see shit. I know. I like, just just make it. Episode two takes care of that. Uh, it's not an issue. That's Does it? One. It yes. came out today, right? Uh, I don't know. I believe uh, it came out no. today. Otherwise, I'd have watched it. No, it came out. Uh, on the, Shut, on the twenty fifth, the twenty fifth, yeah. Uh, so, so I won't. So I won't talk about episode two. Let's talk about episode one. Oh, you can feel free. Feel free. Uh, no, never. I, I would never do that to you. Never in a million years. <laughs> uh, but one of the things in, my, in the opening fight scene, which I did love, was that after escaping in Stripey's car uh, to try and save Starman. They're being chased by Solomon Grundy, and I love Solomon Grundy. Yeah, I was a big fan of that. Yeah, huge fan of that part. Yeah, so I was glad to see him make an appearance. Uh, and but essentially, we cut to ten years later. Uh, actually, one of the last things in the pilot is a young girl at home on Christmas wanting her dad to show up, and he never comes. Uh, anyway. Okay, so let me let me ask you a question because when we fast forward ten years, that's present day, right? Yes, it's assumed. It is assumed that this is present day. There are cell phones and it seems very modern. So 10 years previously, uh, Luke and or Owen Wilson, I'm not sure they're not the same person. uh, They're driving like a 50s, 60s car. And you almost think that it's like the 50s, 60s time. But we kind of come to find out it's definitely not because the car can do some crazy shit. Uh, But I I just want to put that out there for later. I want that seed to be planted. Okay. This is modern day. Yes. We're in the modern times. Okay. Keep going. Okay. Uh, Anyways, you see a Luke Wilson and a kid, Mike, who is his stepson. Uh, And Mike is complaining about moving to Nebraska because there's no one out there. Uh, Yep. Which is a real complaint, I feel like. A legitimate one. That is a strong complaint. I think really he's just more concerned that this guy's a player. He wants lots of ladies, and he's moving from California to Nebraska. Yeah. And if you're a lady in Nebraska, I'm sorry, but move to California, and then you'll get his understanding. Uh, but it's where we first see Courtney, uh, the eponymous Stargirl, uh, before she is uh, Stargirl. And she obviously hates to move. She's 15 years old. Like, no 15-year-old would like to move from California to Nebraska. Uh, ever, but they're moving to Blue Valley, Nebraska, uh, and that's that. Uh, Amy Smart plays her mom. I thought she did a really good job as well. The wonderful, talented, incredibly young-looking Amy Smart is her mom. Yeah. Where has Amy Smart been hiding for for entire her entire career? Um, in the butterfly effect, uh. <laughs> and just friends with Ashton Kutcher. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh so we know that Amy Smart and uh, her kids know nothing about Luke Wilson's life as Stripesy. He just goes by Pat now. <laughs> uh, but before she finds the staff and all that stuff, what would you expect to happen? She can get her title. She has her first day at school and it has like so many like tropey things like the loser table, the, the disappointing like leadership who doesn't really seem to really care about her and like the over the top bullies. I, I loved all that. Like I actually ate that up because I, I thought it was so well done. Just like I'm like I like I love those Breakfast Club type archetypes. I love like bullies like seeming like they're in like not not, not another teen movie. Like that stuff just kills me every time. And I see. It. I I'm I'm on a different page. I think the Breakfast Club is very overrated. I think John Hughes oh on the whole is extremely overrated. I think he's got go. good films. I'm not saying he doesn't. I think you should go live with your John brother for Hughes a few days. Is what'd you say? You should go live with your brother for a few days. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
John Hughes sucks. Oh as he sucks so fucking bad. Okay, we're, we're not talking about this. We're talking about Star Girl. Uh, no, we're we are now at John Hughes debate podcast. Huh. No, but it's so cheesy. There are like these very beautiful people that she sits down with, and you assume they're almost a clique. But it turns out that the beautiful people are losers. Yeah. Being picked on by other beautiful people. Yeah. The jocks, go figure. Yeah, I relate to that. Hey, Alex, if you were a betting man, would you think that those jocks in every single scene that they're in are wearing their Letterman jackets? Yes, you you have to wear Letterman jackets. Yeah, if you don't, you're no longer a jock. I mean, come on. You you went to a high school that had a very big football team. Don't tell me that, that they weren't wearing their Letterman jackets uh, as often as they could. No, they weren't. They would wear them, but it wasn't all the fucking time. Well, that's why they only won like three titles in a row. So, they got four, <laughs> but they, they didn't have the heart. That is that is true. My high school did win three state titles consecutively after I left, mind you. Uh so, to get a long story short, my brother has a great first day at school. Uh, yep. Courtney's a jerk to Pat, but she goes down in the basement uh, after she catches her brother microwaving marshmallows, which I love that scene. Like, it was just that fun little bit of, like, like, like that's like the Jeff Johns heart. Just, like, the brother standing in front of the microwave, the shot of the microwave with the marshmallows expanding, overseeing, like, nothing. Because, uh, like, that's also a very, like, 13-year-old boy thing to do or 12-year-old boy thing to do. I agree. Okay. I like that scene. Uh, Courtney goes, finds the staff, it lights up, and... No, 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 that's not the first thing that happens. She goes and finds a photo. Yes, of the JSA sitting at their table. No, 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 she doesn't discover a photo of the JSA. She goes and, like, knocks over a picture frame, opens it up for some fucking reason, and behind that photo... Something else behind it, that's why. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Behind it is... A 75-year-old photo of the JSA, barely recognizable are anybody's faces, but it's the entire JSA. Yes. Uh, and she also looks through case files of the old villains as well with their mugshots. And yes. those mugshots are also in black and white, too. Uh, but And she reads those and tries to figure out what's going on. Uh, and she learns, she sees a clip about Pat being stripes, stripesy. Um, but then she, the bot Christophus. Mind you, this is all 10 years previously, but it makes it sound and seem like it's like 45 years ago. Uh, but this is not Jeff John's fault. This is like directorial and writer. I think that was a stylistic choice. I know you're going with it, but I think it was done on purpose because the original JSA was in the golden age of comics. Like back. I understand back when, like there was women had just gotten the right to vote. Uh, Martin Luther King had, didn't have to have a speech in Washington, DC. Yeah. That's uh, fair. Yeah. It was all those moments. So I, I think they're trying to blend, like take moments from that era and bring it into our world while like honoring the time in which the comics came from. Uh, but anyway, uh, Boxer's glow. She gets the staff, but it responds to her. And when we saw it with Pat, it didn't respond to him whenever he held the staff, but the staff like lights up for her, like it light, like it lit up for Starman. Uh, yes, yes. And looking it does. at the photo of the JSA, she just looks at the photo of her locket, which is what her dad gave her, and the photo looks like her dad could be Starman. The That's photo also is from ninety-five years ago. Yes. So yes, it's clearly her great-great-grandfather. Well, because ten years ago, smartphones did not exist. Well, not fact. Uh, <laughs> so uh she gets the staff it's your typical like training montage thing uh the oh staff no it's not you're fucking dead ass wrong so the okay. first thing that she does is she does a front flip onto the staff and barely trips catches herself then does another front flip and fucking lands it uh, well, she is a master gymnast. In the comics, she's also a kickboxer as well, but she's not a kickboxer in mm-hmm. the TV series. Uh-huh, sure, what the uh, fuck ever. Uh, Matt just hates to see women empowered by doing front flips in Matt's <laughs> world. I'm sure I do back flips and nothing but back, back flips. Yeah, front flips? No, 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 no. no. Back flips? Yeah, yeah, sure, no problem. Front, flip, front flips are for men, back flips are for women. 
<laughs> the whole gendered issue in gymnastics. Yeah, there's like that book. Uh, it's the sequel to Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. It's yeah. Men Do Front Flips, Women Do Back Flips. Yeah, sold just as well, surprisingly. Uh, <laughs> uh, but the staff has a mind of its own. Uh, initially, I wanted to compare it to like the cape in Doctor Strange. But my mind goes back to the magic carpet ride or the magic carpet in Aladdin because like inanimate objects have their own mind. Like that to me is where it is. Like the staff has its own motivations and its own goals. It's very much magic carpety, and I, yeah. I I enjoyed that part of it. Sure. Yeah, I agree because it caused her just enough problems and mischief that like I'm like, and within like a family d- dynamic within her out and about, like that I, I thought was fun. So it takes her to a drive-in movie theater, which for some reason uh, the jocks are still picking on nerds at the drive-in. Just like in the fucking 50s. Just like in Allen, Texas, right now. (laughs) So she goes and she catches the jocks. She has her staff. It's flown her there. She catches the jocks. She disguises herself too. Yeah, she well, she catches the jocks fucking (laughs) with some nerds. So she puts on, for some reason, she's fully dressed in her room at bedtime, uh, which is ridiculous. Who's not uh, wearing their PJs? She just hadn't unpacked. If you're 15, well, I'm not unpacking no, anything. No, fuck you. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> I used so, to fall asleep in my jeans for years. You know, I did too as a, as a, yeah. when I was around that age, yeah. like a real psychopath. Yeah. I guess it just comes with getting older and being like, let my fat hang wherever it is. <laughs> maybe that's it. Or maybe it's just because like I got married and like you can't wear jeans in bed. And I'm like, why not? I'm unconscious. What do I care? Throw a bunch of blankets <laughs> on the floor. I'll be fine. it's fucking ridiculous anyways so she uses the scarf that she's wearing inside at 10 p.m for some reason as disguise and she sees these uh these bullies so she goes and lets the air out of their tires using the staff yes what the fuck is that about uh it's called standing up to the man do not let the one percent rule society I hated it is this. Non-violent. I hated this. Non-violent resistance. So much. This was so dumb to me. Like, why does the staff have the ability to take air out of tires? Well, because like, she stabbed it. Like, it's pointing. Like, she was just stabbing her tire. No, she didn't stab it. She made it like a, oh, I'm putting something on here to remove the air from the tires. She didn't puncture the fucking tires. Well, she just punctured it. No, she's doing it slowly and very methodically. Like she has a tool to remove air from tires. Yeah, she does. It's a magical so staff. I like what she does afterwards with the staff. Where she beats up the bullies or blows up the car. Yes and yes. <laughs> I'm all for all that other stuff, but it was so stupid to me. Because if she like punctured it and like took the staff away, more believable. I'm being nitpicky here, honestly. Yes, you but are. It's, it, was, it was such a stupid moment. It was uh, so but that's the inciting incident, the car blowing up. The bully's father is Brainwave, uh, we come to learn. Oh, can we talk about Brainwave for a minute? Yeah, sure. Great day, creep. He is, of course, the bully jock's father in the most expected twist of all time. Yes. Uh, but he goes into his closet, just his normal-ass closet where his clothes are, and there's his brainwave costume. And I don't know if you noticed this, but to the right, he's got, he's got all of his clothes on either side. It's a full-ass walk-in closet. In the middle is his I'm a supervillain costume. Sure. And to the right is a beautiful photo of his wife. Yes. And no, on, on the right side, there was a bunch of VHS tapes as well with dates on them. Were there? Yeah, I didn't notice. I didn't sure, catch but, that. Yeah. Th- th- those weren't, weren't explained uh, yet. Uh, I thought that was fucking ridiculous. Uh, Whoever designed that set is so, so weird. And we'll say like when Brain was like having a talk with his son, like in like that office area, it was the most super villainy s design for like a room ever, <laughs> especially with like the portrait above the wall with like a low light hanging underneath it. Like the everything about it screamed like, okay, this belongs to super villain. Yeah. It was it was very cliche at times, but it was also really enjoyable at times. And and Luke Wilson, holy shit, Luke he was Wilson great, is great. Like, yeah. We haven't talked about Luke Wilson yeah. at all. Uh, 
This show obviously has better caliber actors than you typically get from a CW show with Luke Wilson and Amy Smart on there, even Joel McHale in his minor role uh, in the pilot. Uh, So, like, the cast was really strong in this part. I even, younger kids, like uh, the one that plays her brother, uh, are can be typically like annoying and like hard to find, but I thought he did a good job. He, he was annoying, but like in the ways you expect a 12, 13 year old boy to be like annoying. He played it very well. What did you think of star girl herself? What's, what's the actress's name? Uh, uh, her name is Breck Bassinger. Bassinger. Uh, is she related to Kim? I don't know. I, I couldn't find anything, uh, confirming, uh, or denying that she was. Does, uh, so you I, looked that up. Yeah, I did. I, I was curious. Because uh, in the one that plays her brother Mike, I think his name is Trey Romano. So I'm like, is he related to Ray Romano? But again, I couldn't find. <laughs> uh, what what lazy parenting would that be for Ray to name his kid Trey? Let's just throw a, let's just throw a letter <laughs> on the front. I'm close my eyes and throw a dart at this alphabet. It's done. He's named yeah. Trey. Yeah. It's over. Uh, I thought she did a pretty good job. Uh, <laughs> she didn't. She wasn't like. Overly emotional, which you get from a lot of CW shows. Uh, she's a little bit more understated, uh, which I appreciated. Uh, I thought her angst of being uprooted from being from one life to another was reasonable to her response. She wasn't like over the top about it. She was a jerk to Pat, but she wasn't like, I hate you. You're not my real dad, like kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, so I don't know. Like, I thought she did a good job. I. Uh- I don't know that I would say it was a good job. So I will say Pat, the kid, was that his name? Uh, Mike, Pat, Pat, Luke Wilson. Okay. Mike, he was fantastic. Great. Typical little brother character. I thought she was fine. Not great, but I've seen way, way worse before. I've seen far, far worse. So she could have been better. Could have been worse. Like she was middle of the road for me. Didn't hate her. Didn't love her. I thought some moments were definitely uh, acted poorly. Uh, some were perfect. So, it's uh, so my question for you, for both these shows, are you going to keep watching either one of them? I will definitely keep watching Snowpiercer, and I might keep watching Star Girl for at least another episode or two. I'll definitely watch the second episode, and that'll probably be the determining factor. But Snowpiercer, I think I'm going to watch for the rest of the season. Uh, I definitely. I might rec- wait and binge it, but okay. I definitely recommend watching the second episode of Star Girl. I watched it earlier today. It was a lot of fun. There's a lot of like very Jeff Johns esque moments in that episode as well, too. Yep. Uh, and it kind cool. of sets up the premise for what the rest of the series is going to be. Uh, this Star Girl, I should say, is going to be 13 episodes. Uh, so the average run for a DC Universe uh, hour long show, uh, shorter run than a CW show. So. Fair enough. I might play it in the background. I'm rearranging my entire fucking house right now in a really badass way. Um, so I might end up doing putting that on the background. We'll see. Sure. We'll see. Okay. Uh, we will see. I've got a okay. three-day weekend coming up. I was supposed to go see the Rolling Stones uh, before my brother ruined the entire world with his damn COVID. I think really? this is all his fault. So, so I can blame him for the Green Day Weezer concert being yeah. If I'm being honest, I feel like he's patient zero and has just been lying about it for <laughs> six months. Uh, that's a very uh, strong accusation that I wholly support behind the only little knowledge I have to go on it. Yeah, if you want to send uh, good feelings our way for that, uh, that would be appreciated. Um, but yeah, that's it for, uh, for me. But let's rank these goddamn okay. shows. Uh, Snowpiercer, scale of one to ten? Yeah, hit it. Uh, I'm going to go with a seven. I really enjoyed it. Uh, it's not like amazing, like Fargo level television for like a TV series or movie adaptation, but it's still a very good 40 minute hour watch of television uh, that you are intrigued by the story, intrigued by the world and you, and you like the characters. Uh I, I, I want to talk about that Fargo reference for just a quick second. When my girlfriend and I first met, we've been together for over five years. Uh, Fargo season one had just come out and so had um, uh, True Detective on HBO. Mm-hmm. And I asked her if she had seen these shows, season one of these shows, 
no less than 30 times combined uh, and just could not remember if she had seen them or not. So that's still an inside joke. So that always makes me laugh. So I wanted to share that. Uh, But I would say this is a solid eight to me. Uh, It's definitely watchable. Um, I'm curious to see where it goes. There are definitely weak moments, maybe seven. I'm going to go seven and a half, change it to seven and a half. Um, I liked it. I want to see what happens. Okay. So we're going to put star girl. Oh, you first, you first eight for me. Uh, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Really? Yeah. Like, like you mentioned, I thought the show had a lot of heart to it, uh, which I appreciate. And sometimes you just need a little light in the darkness for every like dark gritty TV show I watch. It's nice to have something that's more enjoyable. I mean, the stakes are still high because there's murder, death and all that stuff at play, but it's not just gritty drama the, the entire time. I think I'll give it a seven. It really wasn't bad. Um, my biggest issues are with the, uh, the lead herself, I think. Um, and you know, maybe as she builds confidence along the way, the pilot was probably shot earlier. Um, as she builds that confidence as an actress and stuff along the way and gets better. I have great faith in the writing. The supporting cast is great. So hopefully there was just some nerves that first episode or something. So I enjoyed it though. Really good. Uh, Next episode in two weeks, we'll be talking about Extraction on Netflix, the film starring Chris Hemsworth. It is based off a comic written by one of the Russo brothers. I can't remember which one. I'll say Joe. Take a shot in the dark. Maybe Anthony. But I'll, I'll go you, You've got a good shot. Hey, it's yeah. either Joe or Anthony yeah. Russo. Yeah, one of those two. Uh, so it's been on Netflix for maybe six to eight weeks now. Uh, we'll finally get around checking it out. So if you haven't watched Extraction and would like to before we record, uh, feel free. So... As always, you can email us at henchmanofcomics at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us at www.appple.com or www.disney.com. Uh, that's where you can find us. Uh, just go there and say, uh, type in the chat box or support box and say, connect me with the henchman of comics. Yes, as often as possible. Yeah. I think we have an Instagram and a Facebook and Twitter and all that shit too. Yeah. Beautiful. As always, no wait. I already did that part. See? We're <laughs> rusty. We're out of practice. That's what we do it from doing it over Zoom as well. You're rusty. I'm yeah. fine. I'm nailing it. This is the best episode I've ever done. Hey, congratulations. I'm real proud of you. Uh, all those warmers have been paying off. All those vocal lessons. Henchman <laughs> of Comics, I'm Mike Dashback. And I'm still in quarantine. Henchman ain't easy.